Hi everyone, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach from the Exit Coach Radio Show. You know, one of the biggest questions I get on the show is what exactly goes into a business exit plan and when should I start creating mine? Well, I always tell people that the best time to start was five years ago, but the next best time is now because you never know when you might need it. So we put together a free report that describes what an exit plan is and what you should know. You can get it free by texting EXIT PLAN with no spaces to 44222. That's EXIT PLAN to 44222. Again, text EXIT PLAN to 44222. Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thank you so much for joining us again today. Next guest is a friend of mine, Jerry Knightlick from In-House Corporate Real Estate here in Southern California. And In-House Corporate Real Estate provides a unique service to its tenant clients. And we're going to learn about some interesting angles that you might not have thought about with regards to real estate from Jerry. So, Jerry, thanks so much for joining me today. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I've been looking forward to it. I really appreciate Ah, my, my pleasure. I've been looking forward to it, too. We've talked about some interesting angles. Now, we see each other in and around uh, early mornings at a, a group <laughs> called Provisors, which is a, a heavily networked group of, of advisors uh, here in Southern California and other parts of the country. And, and that makes Jerry a, a very good resource for all things real estate and in many, many other areas. So, Jerry, uh, tell us a little bit about you and your background before we get into our, our discussion. Sure. Um, thank you, Bill. I, I, again, I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, I actually um, came to California about 30 years ago, and uh, an opportunity came around to get into uh, commercial real estate, but I was always looking for something that was a little bit unique. I've always been a person to kind of, as they might say, think out of the box, and a friend of mine who I grew up with back in Stanford, Connecticut, uh, was out here. He's a real estate attorney, and he suggested I call a company. Uh, at that time, it was a division of Marcus and Millishap. It was called Charter Commercial, and they had a unique approach to commercial real estate. Uh, their approach was to be kind of the outsource for in-house real estate departments. So I met with them. I fell in love with their um, their procedure, their process. I met a gentleman named uh, Dwight Shelton who had been the head of IBM Real Estate here on the West Coast, and this was kind of his, if you want to call it his retirement job. And I sat down with Dwight, and he gave me the real full IBM theory of handling real estate. And I took that, and I looked at the market, and I said, well, what is it in the market that we that there's a need for? And I found that most companies were actually small businesses that really didn't have an in-house real estate department. So I felt that that was a market I wanted to target. I spent five years with uh, Marcus Millshap, uh, corporate real estate division, and then I opened up in-house almost 25 years ago. So I guess it took me 25 years to be, become an overnight success. So uh, that's <laughs> where, does the where time we are go? now. <laughs> I know, it, it goes by quickly. <laughs> Now, uh, so now you you uh, represent tenants, right? Exclusively, yes. 
exclusively tenants. So now, if you're listening to this and you're a business owner, you probably either own a building or you're a tenant in a building, and you may need some uh, expert advice at some point. Uh, what do you find, Jerry, that the most common things you find when you first start working with new clients? What are the, the, the situations you see and the, and the first questions that they tend to ask? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, to start, there was actually a study done uh, back in, I think, 1999 by two psychologists, uh, Dunning and Kruger. Uh, they actually, I think, won a, mobile, uh, no, a, mobile, a Nobel Prize for their study. And the basic premise was that people don't know what they don't know. And 100% of my business comes from referrals. I, I've never made a cold call in the 30 years I've been in business. So to answer your mm -hmm. question, um, people that refer to me understand that real estate is not their forte. Uh, they need someone not just to find them space every three to five years, but they're looking for a trusted advisor, uh, someone who will help them with the real estate before, during, and in particular after they move into their space. So this way they could focus on their core business while they have an expert who's going to handle all the real estate matters that come come up. So that in itself saves them time, money, and headaches. So that's probably the most common thing that I find is if, if it's someone who's just looking for space, they say, hey, I get these calls all the time. We'll probably talk later on this where someone calls and says, my lease is up in X number of months. I need 10,000 square feet. Could you show me what you have tomorrow? Those aren't my clients. My clients are the ones who understand, just as you would use a, a, an attorney as an outside counsel or an accountant, mm -hmm. who handles mm -hmm. your real estate. And most of the time, it's done by you know, maybe an administrator or the CFO or the, someone who handles all their contracts, but not someone who does real estate. And this was actually confirmed in a study we did uh, back in 1993 with UCI on how companies manage their real estate and that's exactly what we found out and that's what i find most common that people are looking for help but they don't know where to ask they don't know what they don't know yeah i would imagine that their uh, questions will come up like you say and and one of the things that we we talked about jerry that's that's a trend that you see is that uh, business owners that are aging and thinking about maybe uh, retiring, or I call it rewiring, in the next uh, three to five years, had better take a look and see what their lease provisions are, because if their lease is coming up in two and they want to be out in three, they may not be able to renew for just a year. They better get ahead of that curve, right? Exactly. I, I face that. Uh, in fact, I've got a client right now that we were um, we wanted to extend our lease for about another year because he was going to retire, decide not to retire. So the landlord just wouldn't accommodate him because, and there were some back issues why the landlord couldn't. It wasn't necessarily the agent himself or the um, the property owner. It had, I think it had to do with their lender. But uh, we had to, in fact, they're relocating at the end of the month. Uh, we found a, a property that was uh, would do a one a one year deal with a one year option. So even if he decides, well, maybe I'll stay for another year. Uh, so that is really critical. People, you know, you're in a contract. It's a three or five or 10 year contract that you just can't walk away from. So Bill, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, planning in real estate, and again, we'll talk about later too, planning, 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 most critical with real estate. I don't. I think there's. I don't. Can't think of another time when we've had uh, such. A, you know, an aging population that's thinking about. I hear commonly 
three to five years. Uh, I want to be out of my business. And a tight market where um, landlords really uh, have uh, – they they have it sewn up basically it's not like the old like it used to be where you could say hey can i just go month to month for a while they're anxious to get that yeah. property released at a higher rate because they can what are some of the legal trends that you're seeing in commercial real estate now well there there's actually a couple of things one is the legal issues and it also goes along with uh, some greater co- uh consumer awareness so there's two really parts to it uh first of all back in 1990 uh 1954 so we're really going back here back in the days of Willie Mays and and the Polo Grounds <laughs> but for you baseball fans but um the in 1954, the the courts actually took a position that commercial real estate was held by sophisticated people who had sophisticated advisors, and that a lot of the laws really should only refer to residential. But it took uh, till really 2014, where the state legislature finally realized that, hey, wait a second, as I said earlier, most of the transactions in commercial real estate are handled by small businesses who don't have that sophistication. So that they passed a law, SB 1171, which required commercial brokers to do the same thing that residential agents have done for since 1996, I believe, which was to sign a written document that states whether or not the ten, the the broker or the agent is representing a landlord um, seller or a buyer tenant or if they're a dual agent so this has made consumers a lot more aware of the fact that you can get someone to just represent you or someone who's going to represent the landlord and maybe you so that's been that's been a real big shift in the market the last 3 or 4 years so there's no conflicts, or you have to disclose conflicts, is what you're saying. Is it, it has to be, but it, but the the point is, it has to be presented to the the person that you're representing, so that they they're now be they're aware of it. Is that right? Exactly. In fact, um, there's been a lot of confusion, and this is I've been working with the commissioner's office on this. Um, I actually wrote an article, which I believe may appear in the um, the next bulletin. Uh, probably under <laughs> under another name because they can't use me because I'm a, I'm an agent um but I basically wanted to outline exactly how the process goes and there's been a lot of confusion on it uh, unfortunately even in residential I was on the phone yesterday with the California Association of Realtors and by the way Bill if you don't mind me saying this uh a lot of people will refer to me as a realtor. I am not. I'm not a member of the National Association of Realtors. Uh, both most commercial brokers are referred to as brokers. We're not. Most California uh, commercial agents are not members of that association. But I, I was speaking with them uh, just about the process. And even though if you own a house in that stack of escrow forms you probably have seen it's like 90 pages and you just sign 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 without even reading it and they say oh it's right. standard form <laughs> you got it right well yeah. in that pile yeah. is a 2079 form which is the disclosure you actually are supposed to give that form to the prospective tenant or buyer as soon as you meet them it says first line as soon as you meet them you hand it to them you then have to present the form when you present a an offer or a letter of intent and then in the document you have to actually document that and say xyz broker represents the landlord xyz broker represents the tenant unfortunately that form doesn't get disclosed 
until the actual document, which is way after the transaction has occurred. So that's kind of what the legal thing is trying to push, and there's been a, a movement on that. So, and the CIR now is aware of that as well. I see. So, um, Jerry, when, when we hear about terms like market knowledge um, and how important that is, what, what's your take on that? How important is, is uh, market knowledge as a tenant broker? Well, I think I take a different approach. Uh, market, market information is valuable. There's no question about that. But I think what's most important is understanding your client because my approach is kind of backwards to a lot of people. I take my client to the market rather than the market to the client. Uh, a lot of the traditional uh, in brokerage, commercial brokerage, has been that a broker rep, uh, represents landlords in a certain area, a certain type product. They try to cold call and say, hey, move to my building, et cetera, et cetera. My approach is once I understand what the client needs, could be the size, could be the location, could be what the amenities, also what their growth patterns are. Once we figure out all of that, we then go to the market. And right now, the, the, it's not like 1947 where we had to go, I'm not that old, but <laughs> back in the day where we actually had to go door to door, door to door to find out when the leases were coming up and when they were available. And that was what the listing brokers had all that knowledge. Now we just click on the internet and we all have proprietary databases that we purchase and we have that information. And if it's out there, it's going to be on that database. So I could click mm -hmm. a parameter and say, okay, I want everything available, let's say in the spectrum here in Irvine, uh, 1,000 to 5,000 square feet with these and these and these type of amenities, click and every available property shows up. And the broker's name, so I could call them and say, hey, what is really available? So I think market knowledge is becoming not the thing to push. It's like, how can I help the tenant or how can I help, in my case, my mm. cl tenant client to get to the space that they need? And Mr. Market, come to me and say, okay, I have the property. It's going to be perfect for you. So we end up negotiating usually with three properties, three of the perfect properties, if you want to call it that. So any one of the three could work for my client. So are there any questions that you ask tenants now that you didn't ask 20, 25 years ago, Jerry? <sighs> Well, that's a good question. I, I haven't thought of that, but I don't think so. I think I've been pretty consistent. Uh, as I said, remember I mentioned earlier that the great program that Dwight uh, introduced me to? We really have a lot of the same questions. I actually have a questionnaire that I give to larger tenants that they will give to their staff, and it has all these things about what they like and don't like about their their existing property and one of the actually funny story is I, I did it to it was an architectural firm and they were located uh, down in Newport Harbor in an old boathouse mm -hmm. and we asked mm -hmm. everybody from the senior staff all the way down what do you think and they filled out the form and when we did it was kind of like before monkey survey came on so we had to sort of one by one and we found that everybody wanted to stay the senior staff wanted to stay because they all lived there well, the staff mm -hmm. want to stay because where are they going to eat lunch? On the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so the bottom line was they ended up staying, and they made sure that everybody only had an hour for lunch. <laughs> so that was kind of a side thing with it. <laughs> and you've got to empty the sand out of your shoes before you come back in the office. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, it, it, it's, uh, it's a great service that you provide 
Um, what what could you tell our listeners in the way of like, tips, ideas, or precautions that maybe some common things that you see that you the, maybe they should be looking at and thinking about whether they need to call someone like you? Well, uh, boy, oh boy, the the first thing is, as I said earlier, right on. You got to make sure that you're the person who represents you. No one has the basic knowledge, obviously, but again, you want to really separate between whether they're a tenant rep or whether they're a landlord rep or whether they're going to act as a dual agent. That's really critical because actually something that just came up a couple of months ago, one of the large uh, firms listing houses, if you want to call it, just bought a mm-hmm. tenant rep firm out of Dallas. And one of the things they found was that even though they were getting people who said, okay, today I'll represent the tenant, the skill set of representing the tenant is much different than the skill set representing the landlord. I can't market a building. I wouldn't even know how to market a building. If a client of mine says, hey, I want to either sublet or I want to sell my building, I would refer it out to someone who has that knowledge. And that's something they tell us in real estate over and over again. Don't take anything on that you don't you know, know how to do. <laughs> They're very persistent mm-hmm. about that. Uh, very particular, I should say. So that's the first thing. Make sure that your your broker represents you and they really have not necessarily the market knowledge but the skills of what you need. Uh, the second tip that I, I would say is, is planning. When I get that call I mentioned earlier and I had this happen once, a guy really called me and said, hey, my lease is up. I need 10,000 square feet. What could you show me tomorrow? Well, I didn't know anything about the client and right. I had to ask a lot of questions before we found out what they really, really needed, and it was totally different than what they initially planned or what they initially Mm -hmm. thought. Uh, And the third thing is probably maybe as critical as timing. Uh, When I get that call again, my lease is up in two months, can you help me? (laughs) I'm like, well, let's try and renew because... It's not going to happen. It, it minimum, even if you're a small tenant, mm-hmm. it probably takes minimum from the day I I start talking to them to the day the lease is assigned, ninety to one hundred and twenty days minimum. Mm-hmm. If you have to do tenant improvements, especially for I, in fact we did a full floor a couple of years ago that I think we started about eighteen months out. And we started construction about nine months out. So we had actually done all the planning and everything way prior. And then we still had time to do the improvements. And, you know, the tenant moved in actually to the day. It was just perfect. They moved in the day that they were supposed to. So don't don't let it, you know, fester for too long. If your lease is up, hopefully your broker is going to call you or you're going to be, in my case, we're always in touch with our clients on a constant basis. So we're always reminding them of things that are, are coming up or what they need to be, pay attention to. So it's really critical. So those are probably the, the three things. Make sure your, ten, your broker represents you exclusively and never represents a landlord. Number, you know, Make sure that they have the knowledge and skill that you're looking for. Make sure that you're doing a lot of planning beforehand. And then third thing is the timing of when you start the process. Jerry, we covered a lot of ground today, and it's really great information, and I think our, our listeners really appreciate uh, what you've come up with. But there's even more on your website. I know I noticed you have a monthly blog called Tenant Tactics and Tenant <laughs> University yeah. um, to, to help people that maybe not maybe aren't conversant in real estate technology or or terminology rather and there's information for them about commercial real estate and they can search by topic Um, so uh, okay with you if I give out your website address 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's okay, uh, here I go. It's www.inhousecorp, I-N-housecorp, C-O-R-P.com. Did I get that right? Yeah, one word, inhousecorp, and then .com. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Yeah, actually, I'd say the funny story is that the Tenant Tactics, I started that back in 1993 uh, as a mailer, and then it became a fax, and then it became an email, and then it became <laughs> right. what, what we call the blog. So I, I've gone through it all. <laughs> but it's, what do you, it, what do you think we'll call it in five years from now? Who knows, right? <laughs> uh, maybe got, retirement. got to be better than blog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's true. But um, I, I hope that information is on the blog, but especially the Tenant University, which is on my website, if, if you're looking for something like occupancy costs or – you know, uh, oh gosh, uh, expenses, operating expenses. That's that's a big one that I get hits on all the time. Just type it in; it'll show you different stories that I posted, and that's 25 years worth of stories right there. Well, uh, for our listeners, I, I hope you've enjoyed uh, getting to know Jerry Knightlick. Uh, great information, Jerry, and I, I'm sure we can have you back at some other time and dig deeper into some of these topics. Uh, I thank you for joining me, and I look forward to the next time we get to speak. Uh, it's been my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Bill. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 